Hello again, everyone. And for now, I am joined by my final interview subject on Big Arse, Mr. James Andre, publisher of Milk Shadow Books. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Evan. Uh, we're going to touch on what releases Milk Shadow actually has on the day. But um, I was wondering if you could just talk about your own involvement in Big Arse as an organizer, um, what you have to do with the event itself. And we'll just take it from there. Yeah, okay. Well, I sort of, I came on board, I was on board since the first Big Arse and I've been involved in everyone since then, so the first one, second one, and this one. Um, I sort of, uh, what did I, I'm just remembering what I brought out. I brought out um, that Triple X Neon Sign book, which was about me working in an adult store and that had some illustrations in it by Bobby N and that was more of a prose piece. Um, when we first launched it, even though it was Big Arse Comic Launch, I think I managed to get in because a lot of the work I'd done was also with some of the comic guys as well, even though some of it was prose. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did uh, The Loneliest Manifesto, and which was, again, that was working with Brendan Halliday, he's a local guy on the scene. Um, he did a lot of the art and layouts for that. And um, I did also did What We Did With Kicks, which had a lot of um, sort of local guys doing sort of uh, art for it. And I also did Yuck 4, which was the first Yuck that was part of Big Us, and that was uh, just a, an anthology of just like gross out comics that I put together. I got really worried there because you said you did Yuck 4 and that was the first Yuck you did. I was going, wait, it started with 4. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Just the first one, I think, yeah, that sort of was part of the Big launch. So, okay. yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's it, we, we've been talking about Yuck a lot in the previous two interview segments of the show because because it being an anthology and because it has, you have a range of people writing for it. Um, was that, is there a particular format to the anthology that you keep in mind or is it just anything goes? Um, I sort of anything goes, but I prefer sort of black comedy surreal sort of strips that are, um, I guess as I start, I was trying to make it like really hardcore and make it, you know, the, you know, really sort of gross out and stuff like that. Um, sort of that sort of died off a bit in terms of I wanted more surreal stuff rather than just, you know, hardcore. Hmm. Sort of um, just you know sex and violence or stuff. I prefer it a bit more sort of like Monty Python style rather than just you know <laughs> than um, sort of splatter movie sort of stuff. Um, and then it's sort of gone like that up till now where we're, we're getting Yuck Seven out for for Big Ass Three. So. Excellent. Well, look, uh, Monty Python got pretty dark. I remember the meaning of life. That's some disgusting moments in that. Yeah. Well, that was yeah, it was a big influence, you know. So yeah, I mean, yeah, and and even the um the series. You know, as it got a, it sort of went um, further into the series, like the Flying Circus just got pretty, pretty, just really surreal. Like even that um, surreal, surreal, surreality of it was pretty disgusting. Like towards the end, it was just really um, it played on your senses like a lot. And I, I like kind of doing that in Yuck a bit as well. Hmm. Very good. Very good. And um, maybe can you treat us at all? What can we expect with Yuck number seven? Is there anything particular that you'd like to give a shout out to in there, or a particular creator who's <sighs> I think Bruce Mutard. I don't. I don't want to go to. I don't know how, what the rating on this show is, but he's got a lot of um, a lot of like male genitalia in his story. I think he probably took the prize for that <laughs> in terms of this volume. He's got a story called um. Oh jeez, I just it's um feminazis. It always gets me in such a long time. It's the feminazis from Venus versus the commies from Mars, and it's sort of like a men. Like a what's that book? The men are from men Mars, are from, women are from Venus. Yeah, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like Bruce's version of that. So if you can imagine Bruce on a like on a sort of a, a an adult comics bender version of that, that's sort of what it is. So that's 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 just one of the standouts, and it's a, it's quite a long story. Um, so. 
It sounds like heaps of other stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good to have Bruce in there, and this story is pretty. Um, it's pretty out there, so it's good. It's good to have. It's good to have some really like um, edgy sort of ones, like which, yeah. which you you want. But yeah, and especially from somebody like Bruce, it's good to see. Mm, it reminds me of um, sort of. I don't know if you've read any of Steve Aylitz stuff. Um, British uh, sort of British cult science fiction writer, but he he writes this very sort of absurd surrealism stuff. And, uh, okay, yeah, sounds like it might be up that sort of path, I think. <laughs> if you if you ever get the opportunity to read any of his stuff, I'd recommend a book called Lint. Um, and they made it into a movie, and they actually got Alan Moore to be in the movie, so it's proper. It's it's quite good. Yeah. But yeah. who else have we got? We've got uh, Scarlett Pacini in there. Yourself? Yeah, she's in there. Yep, yep. You're you're in there. You're very humble. You didn't say what you you had done. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've um I've done a story with um with Frank actually, Frank Candeloro. Oh excellent. Um, yeah, so we've done a story called Unicorn Death Trip, which is basically I just wanted to have a double page splash of like unicorns just massacring people. So I kind of I wrote a story around that, and um yeah, Frank did a he's done a huge um splash page or double double page splash of just this massacre, and that's it's come out pretty well. I'm pretty happy with how Frank handled that. So. That sounds like something that needs to be on a T-shirt, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> have you actually seen um, Frank's new book, Bud and Lou? Have you actually seen what he's done there? Um, I've seen, I think, a couple of the um, some of the interior pages and the cover. I've seen that, and that's just amazing. He's just, you know, just he's gotten so good, Frank, um, over the last few years. He's just really improved. Like, yeah, great stuff, great stuff. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also really looking forward to Yuck as well because um, it's something we've been talking about in the previous interview as well, the idea of uh, anthologies being great for giving you an introduction to a number of different creators. Um, yeah, well. yeah, I think that's a really good um, really good way to do it and it's good for people to sort of see their work in print just to get an idea of how their stuff's working like and what's working and what's not working. Yeah. That's one of the big benefits of it. Great, great stuff. Um, well, we, we've mentioned Yuck, but there's also two other books out there. You've got A Brush with Darkness by Dylan Naylor and Tim Malloy's Mr. Unpronounceable Adventures. I just want to touch on Naylor's stuff first, because uh, I was reading about him briefly. Um, he was doing a lot of music posters, was it, back in the 90s? Sort of? Yeah, yeah, that's sort of where Dylan started. I mean, I think he was doing some sort of, uh, some, like, horror comics at the same time, which is sort mm. of the, both that sort of period of his work are collected in this book. Um, he was he was sort of start off doing a lot of um, EC homages and stuff yeah. like that, and he was at the same time he was also doing a lot of um, band posters and you know and like sort of flyers and um, like album covers and zine covers and stuff like that. And he sort of started doing it like with some sort of smaller bands, with like local bands, which yeah. he just kept on working with like Area Seven and the Fireballs, which were quite big at the time. But and then he also went right up the scale to doing posters for, for the Beastie Boys and Powderfinger. And stuff like that. So all that sort of material is collected in here, along with comics that he's also done for some of those bands, like the Fireballs. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. Because he, I mean, I haven't obviously haven't seen the book, but um, just looking at some of the images of his work that's online, I, I kept thinking he reminds me of um, Charles Burns a bit, because Charles Burns was doing like Black Hole and all that, but at the same time he's doing advertising and he was doing posters and he was doing to supplement that. And I just thought they were kind of comparable that way. I think so, yeah. I think, and I think tonally as well. A lot of the sort of, yeah, a lot of stuff, you know, is pretty sort of dark and, but still a little bit rock and roll, like a lot. You know, Charles Burns sort of has that sort of '50s sort of style to him. Yeah. And I think yeah. Dylan sort of captures a lot of that as well. Um, yeah, obviously in his content, but also 
just uh, with the sort of the shading, I guess, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remind me now. I want I want David Lynch and Charles Burns to do something together. I don't care what they do. I just want them to do they something. Should. <laughs> yeah, they should. <laughs> Similar sensibilities there, you know. Um, yeah. Great. So it's it's like a collection of his work, sort of. Yeah. So it's all that sort of period of his work. So all the music stuff and um and the horror stuff. So it's it's a good. I guess it's a good mix. A lot of horror stuff. You know, he does go with rock and roll, like that cheesy yeah. sort of exploitation sort of feel to it, and sort of it's, yeah, just put put them all together really. Brilliant, brilliant. I look forward to that. And uh, Mr. Unpronounceable Adventures. Now, what the hell is that about? What's that? <laughs> um, that's, it's, it's really hard to explain it without Tim actually explaining it because he <laughs> can just he can bust out what it means and you're just like, oh, that's, that makes sense. But if you just read it, it kind of almost doesn't make sense. But it's, um, it's basically like a kind of an H.P. Lovecraft style. He sort of spouts this sort of H.P. Lovecraft style sort of language. Um, mm. Like sort of um, ye oldy sort of you know um, uh, philosophy, while he's basically wandering around, biting the throats out of monsters and and going into different dimensions and stuff like that. Um, yeah, he just he, it just it's I don't know if you ever saw that um, cartoon that's called Aeon Flux. Oh yes. Television. Yeah, yes. it's it's a little bit like that in oh. it's episodic. Um, that he does die sometimes, but then he just comes back the next time, or he might see clones of himself, and he's just like Tim. Tim is the best person to explain it because, um, yeah, it's it's nearly impossible to explain. But when you read it, it does make sense. It's got its own logic. Um, mm. It's sort of it's set within the same universe that was in his previous book that we published called It Shines and Shakes and Laughs, um, which was sort of this um, the city of the ever open eye. Um, it's just this kind of just twisted, far out science fiction sort of other dimension sort of world. It's sort of set in the same world as that, mm-hmm. um, where anything sort of goes. So um, yeah, it's just this madman going around killing monsters and waking up to find himself dead and and laughing and enjoying himself, enjoying himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense, I don't know if it does. But yeah. No, no, no. It, rem- it reminds me of um, it reminds me of there was this book in the 1920s called A Voyage to Arcturus by a guy called David Lindsay, and the story goes he was a banker and he was a very successful banker, and he wrote this book about a man who gets transported to Arcturus. And then as he walks across the landscape, he starts changing into different creatures. And okay. the, the, the actual geography changes him physically. And he starts growing new organs and new, new, he starts experiencing violent, violent urges and all the rest of it. And it kind that of sounds sense. very similar. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. That sounds, yeah it sounds like um, yeah, same sort of mindset might have gone into this. It's a bit, it's a bit random, but you're you sure you're sure it means something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you'll figure it out. When you <laughs> great stuff, great stuff. Well, listen, I mean, you you've you've obviously you've got an anthology title there, and then Tim Malloy's produced some sort of surreal, abstract work of horror for you there, and then we have Dylan Naylor, music, rock and roll, um, and once again horror imagery. But still, that that's quite a selection of titles just there. I mean, is that an example, a very good example of what Milk Shadow is aiming to do, just put out all this different content. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we pretty much put out, um, I guess it's like stuff on the darker sort of side of, of life, you know? But, yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't put out any kids' books or anything like that yet, but, but um, yeah, I guess, I guess just the darker stuff does interest me. Um, that's I don't think it's like heaps of people doing it, and sometimes you see it around, it maybe just goes for a bit more of a sort of cliched sort of style mm. thing. I like doing something that's a bit more just weird and, and dark and um, that, it's basically just all stuff that I like 
that I, I'd like to read. That I, that's usually what we sort of put out. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that sort of nobody. I feel like nobody else is doing that. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, uh, growing up, the thing I enjoyed. I loved zombie movies. Loved zombie movies because of the, oh, inevi- yeah. the inevitability. You know, <laughs> you're not yeah. you're not going to survive. It's not going to work out for you. You everybody else is going to eat you, and that's a really chilling thought and you get some really good stories out of that premise um, yeah. and I love how The Walking Dead has taken this thing that I love so much and turned it into a soap opera or like to my opinion you know, they, <laughs> they've rendered it interminable, it's, ne- it's never going to end, it's going to keep going because the story is making so much money for the publisher yeah, yeah. it's crazy that that's sort of I don't know, there's so, many, so much merchandising that's come out of that, whereas a few you know, about probably 10 years ago it was Dawn of the Dead was still underground, like the original was still yes. maybe maybe fifteen years ago it was probably, you know, still pretty underground. Yes. Whereas now it's sort of you know I mean you couldn't even get the uncut Dawn of the Dead in Australia unless you imported it. And now it's just you know, you can go to Woolworths and buy Dawn of the Dead properly, you know. Did they did they censor it here the bit where the guy's head gets chopped off by a helicopter? That- uh I don't <laughs> know, actually I don't know. Yeah, I think they I don't know. I think we did have the um, like the censored American cut. Yeah, it's funny that you can sort of see the sort of all the stuff that they censored, like the you know people getting screwdrivers in the head. You can see that in you know in, it's just like the first frame of you know of Walking Dead in one episode or something. You know, it's like it's just yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> this is this is what I'm thinking. They've actually taken all of those shocking images and just made them mundane. Whereas what you seem to be doing and, and some of the titles I've read from you. Your publishing house, um, you're keeping the strange in there. You know, you're still shocking. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's sort of so much stuff that's published now. It's so safe, I guess, because it's got the big sort of gatekeepers, the publishing companies. Sort of, you know, they don't want to put out anything obviously that's not going to make the money. Mm. So a lot of it's really safe. Even like a lot of comic companies like that now that they just don't put out the sort of edgier stuff now. Well, they mm. put it out in a very limited way. Um, and I, I, I like to sort of get out our stuff that's a bit weirder as much as I can so I'm not sort of scared to put that out and um, hopefully people will buy it and you know I like to let people know that they're getting something a bit weirder when they buy it like we try and warn them as much as we can through the covers or whatever but you know I, I'd hope people enjoy it it's, I mean it's made for adults so um, it's not like watered I try not to water anything down as much as I can so mm. yeah and um, I mean one of, one of the books that you put out recently that I really enjoyed and um, maybe it's not of the same stripe as what we've been talking about, but it's certainly not for children either. There's a uh, Gregory McKay's book, um, Francis Bear. That that was just that's great fun. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean he sort of explores some pretty hefty sort of political yeah. stuff in that, as well as just some daily sort of social issues, and he sort of just mixes them all in and makes it he makes it entertaining. That's what I really like about it as well. He doesn't sort of dwell on it or sort of like harp on about it. He just sort of you know, works them into the story about how they sort of affect daily life. I really like mm. how he did that with that book. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're sort of, we're trying to pick up the first volume of that now, which he self-published himself. So we're going to try and re-release that, um, which is more sort of a book of short stories about Francis Bear. Um, but yeah, that second book was, was the longer sort of narrative. And I, I, I'm hoping he's working on a third book. He said, I saw him the other day and he said he probably is so. Mm. Um, and he said that might be sort of going back to the origins a bit more with, sort of shorter stories again but that middle book the trials book was just amazing how he sort of wove everything in on that big epic scale yeah 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 it sort of reminded me of um service in a bit you know you know because yeah, you, yeah. you you think it's this innocuous character and yet all these incredibly surreal things are happening 
as well as the, as you say, the political allegories that are in there. But remember, they introduced that term comics, spelled with an X, to try and separate a style of comic storytelling from superheroes and all the rest of it. They were saying, no, we're comics, we're different. You know, the 70s on the ground, so that's Yes, well. exactly, okay. yeah. Yeah, that's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be sort of what we're... I guess that's what we're sort of going... That's what I find interesting to read nowadays. I don't really read too much superior stuff anymore. Like, mm-hmm. sort of, I do occasionally, like, read it, but um, generally I just... I find it really hard to just to get into. Um, yeah, it's just... I don't know. I don't know where any of the storylines are going these days. Like, I don't... I have no idea where it's going. It's like just starting to watch a soap opera in the middle. Like, I just have no idea about it, so... Mm. Uh, yeah, whereas the sort of like the life stuff, like the, the underground stuff, it's a lot more easy to pick it up. Even if it is, you know, the tenth issue, generally you can kind of pick it up and you can relate to it and you can sort of get into it. Mm. Mm. Well, I think it's encouraging that nowadays we're seeing a lot more press being given to um, comic books. I, I refuse to call them graphic novels that uh, actually <laughs> are trying to do things other than superheroes. Um, Persepolis, obviously, and then. Um, Brian and Mary Talbot's book that's won the, I think won the, did it win the Costa Award or was nominated for the Costa Award in England, something like that? Um, Not too sure, yeah. Daughter of her father. I mean, that's all about Joyce. That's, and, and sort of allusions to Joyce and all this biography in there. And that's very ambitious. And it's very. Was that, was that just last year, was it? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just came out last okay. year. Um, but when, you know, these are not children's books. These are not simple books either. They're quite complex. So maybe the market is diversifying a bit to recognize what's out there. I hope so. I mean, they have people like Harvey P. Carr who was back in the, I guess, the late 70s was sort of saying that he believed that comics could be the, um, I guess, like they could be equivalent of sort of, of novels mm. in, in a sort of in a picture form, um, which, you know, I think people are starting to realize that they can be now. Yeah. Which I, don't, I don't see why there was ever much snobbery about it because... I mean, it's obvious you've got words and pictures. You can do whatever you want with it. You know, I don't. I don't know why people just thought it had to be trapped down to Garfield or, or Spider-Man. You know, there's, there's so much you can do with that. Hmm. And it's just. I mean, it's just about storytelling, really. It's just yeah, a different medium. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like saying all films have to be diehard. You know, they, they don't have to be. You know. <laughs> that might be good, but. <laughs> Is there anything else? Maybe you can. Teases for future releases from Milk Shadow? Is there anything in particular coming down the pipe that you'd like to talk about? Um, well, probably about mid-year, we're hoping to launch a couple more volumes of um, of Ben Hutchings' You Stink comics. Oh, great! Which, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're sort of we're collecting. Like we, he released the first nine issues himself, and then we picked up number ten and put that out. Um, so we're now collecting uh, issues one to five in one like trade paperback, and then issues six to ten in another trade paperback. And we're hoping to have them launched. Um, sort of mid-year, um, which is which is really great. I've actually got a guy, Dave Cunning, who used to run Local Light Comics in Australia here. Mm-hmm. He's on common board, and he's helping me put those together now. So I'm um, pretty lucky to have that actually, because they're they're pretty. It's probably about uh, at least three three or four hundred pages worth of material there, so they're they're going to be quite large. Great, great stuff. Uh, no, Ben Ben stuff's amazing. Really good. Very clever yeah, and very. Yeah, funny. He's, he's a funny guy. <laughs> Very good, very good. Well, um, listen, James, thanks so much for chatting to us um, here at Beard and the Geek. Um, really looking forward to Big Arse as well. And uh, we're all, we're going to try and spread the word about it and promote all these different creators who are coming together for this one day. It's a fantastic event. 
Thanks, Emmett. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us, too. It's really great. Thanks for helping us promote the event and for promoting Milkshadow. Thanks very much. <laughs> Not a problem at all. <laughs> all right, folks. Cheers for listening. Uh, that was the last segment of this special show promoting uh, Big Arse. Uh, once again, just in case you forget, that's March 2nd, Santito Funf, Gertrude Street in Fitzroy, and 15 books. Quite a range of material there for you, so uh, lots to enjoy. And I hope to see you there. All the best.